What is going on, y'all? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and we've got myself, obviously, and the one and only William Schufelt. He is in the building. How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So this is the the second time you've been on my podcast. Yeah. And you're here in person, which is why we're doing a video. So if you're listening to this, it's on YouTube. If you're watching this, it's on the podcast. William's also going to put this on his podcast. Yeah. So whoever you are, wherever your audience is, you'll be able to, to see and listen to this amazing show. Um, since he's here in person, we're going to make this like a longer format, two-part series and we're going to dive into a lot of background, foundational stuff with this first episode, and yeah. then really dive deep into some of the controversial topics within the nutrition and keto space on the second episode. But we'll probably do a lot of stuff on the fly, too, because we're just having a conversation here. Yeah. So, without further ado, how are you, man? I'm good, dude. You guys have been great hosts so far. So, Appreciate that. You know, I've really enjoyed coming in here. It's my first time in Arkansas. And I'm enjoying it. You know, I really didn't know what to expect with Arkansas. Yeah. And to be does. honest, I didn't know where it was on the map. I kept confusing Arkansas and Kansas. Really? Yeah, which is ridiculous because one's not even a state. Well, Arkansas, but, um, people do call Arkansas Arkansas. So don't ever do that. Arkansas. You know? It's people Arkansas all the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, man. Yeah. But no, y'all have been amazing hosts. We've had a really good time so far. We actually, yesterday, favorite part of the trip so far. Actually, that's not true. There, there's there's a lot of fun things. But we went on a really great hike yesterday yep. where we just got to chat, chop it up, just um, get to know each other, and, uh, yeah, just get a really, really great view at the end of that. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed learning how to shoot a bow. That was yeah. fun. I've never done that in my life. Yeah, we've done. I mean, you've been here for, I guess, hadn't even been. Well, you came in about, what, 9 o'clock yesterday morning. Yeah. And so you've been here for over 24 hours. We've done a lot in 24 hours, man. Like we, we hiked Pinnacle Mountain. <laughs> uh, so we, that was like a, I don't know how far of a hike that is, probably about a mile and a half, but yeah, pretty much a vertical ascent up the mountaintop. We hiked, we trained. Yep. We trained. I got a good workout in yesterday. We're, we're about to train back after this podcast. Got a run um, in this morning. Got a run in this morning. And then we've been shooting the bow, eating steaks every day. You can't go wrong, yeah. man. Yeah. Can't go wrong. It's been good, man. And I'm learning a lot. Yeah, we've been talking shop. Yeah. We've been we even got you out there making some bricks. Yeah, um, yeah. So lots of highlights for sure. We have to, we'll have to do this a lot more often, man. I'm I'm yeah. excited about where it's gone so far, and we're just getting warmed up. Yeah. Um. So let's dive in a little bit to. I'm trying to think what would be the best for the the listeners and the viewers of this. I think if we just dive into our backgrounds, because since this is yeah. going on both of our platforms, we can kind of do a little bit of like background. I've had when I had you on here before, we we dove into. You know what motivated you to be in to the health and fitness community? Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you're the Power Ranger, Red Ranger. So we talked a little bit about what brought you into the acting career. Yeah. Um, but kind of just flesh out a little bit more of your beginning story, I guess. Let's just dive into that a little deeper. Mm. I see. Okay. I I don't think about it very often. So, the hell is my beginning story? Um, well, I I mean, I guess what would you like to know? I I guess that would make it easier for me to delve into. Uh, what's... Let's talk about your parents, man. We were talking a little bit about yeah. our parents and kind of how parenting structures affected how we've, you know, the direction we've taken in life. Yeah, and you Hugely. you kind of alluded to your your father being a little bit more laid back, mm-hmm. and your mother being kind of more of the the energetic driver. Yeah. So how do you feel like your parenting style, like from your parents, has affected yeah. your trajectory in life? Hugely. I think, it, 
you know, one of those blessings that you have nothing to do with, but, you know, over time you realize what a blessing it is. My parents' biggest blessing in my life, the way they raised me, they did an extremely good job. They're, they're still doing an amazing job. You know, my mom, it's funny, whenever I call her, I, I never get a word in, but she gives amazing advice, you know, and, and it's always just keeping me on track. So, yeah, like, my mom is really this strong driving force in my life. Like, she was the person that as a kid, any dream I had, anything I wanted to do, she would tell me, you could do that, but you can go even bigger than that. Or, mm -hmm. you know, and she instilled this feeling of greatness within me that I just, any room I walked into, I felt like I belonged. I felt like I, I should be there. Um, you know, so she instilled a lot of confidence in us, a ton of confidence in us. And she would actually do these little things that made us more confident. So we got into karate for a while. And um, as soon as we did that, she like really helped us dedicate ourselves to that. And we did really well at it. Um, we would do spelling bees. She would spell with us for two or three hours a night from the dictionary. Over summer break, uh, we wouldn't go play. We'd be inside. We'd see other kids playing outside. We'd be like, ah, oh, damn. Um, but we would be sitting down with the dictionary and she'd tell me like, you know, go find 10 words, spell them, write the definition, come back, tell me what they are. That's pretty cool. So man. yeah, she made a lot of like little kind of homework assignments and stuff. And then we'd go and we'd win spelling bees, go to the, the school one, the state one, the county district, all that kind of stuff. And then kids tell you you're smart and, and you think that you're smart because you're winning it. But really what it drove home for me was practice and just practicing things over and over again and working hard on it. like, And this was all stuff that we did outside of school. So she was, you know, an amazing, amazing job as a parent. You know, she really just figured things out on the fly and she did an excellent job. So I'm, I'm super happy about, you know, just my parents overall. Mm -hmm. My dad, you know, he was working pretty much our whole lives. So he's always been a lot more chill, laid back, very loving guy. What does he do for work? He's done dairy work for years and years now. So he worked at Foster Farms for quite a few years, and then he's managed, you know, uh, places that do goat cheese, um, lots of different things like that. So it's always been like food management and dairy. So they were huge in my life, you know. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's funny, man. Like people have good and bad relationships with their family, with their mm -hmm. parents, in particular. And like my my folks were super super strict on me. But they really, I mean, they were the main reasons that they, that I feel like I have a strong work, work ethic. Like, they instilled mm -hmm. that in me. And I don't feel like I would have been able to have gotten that strong work ethic if it wasn't for them being strict on me. Like, there's, yeah. it's it's interesting. A lot of people, like, they have a hard life, so they try and make it easier for their kids. And then just pick up, like, this negative feedback loop. Like, you have mm -hmm. to have some sense of balance and, like, not make it too easy and then be soft, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't know how, I mean, when I'm a parent, It'll be hard for me to figure out what that balance line is, where, where where I draw the line, where I need to push, and where I need to like have grace. You know, that's that's. I guess there's yeah. no rule books and guidelines to being a parent, though. You know, I think it's you simply have to set up challenges that they have to overcome. You know, and that can be in a variety of different ways. You can put your kids to work. Your, you know, I, I know a lot of kids do chores. We never did chores at all, and for some reason, our mom just thought you know focus on academics. The challenges she set up that we kind of had to work through and overcome were all academic. Mm -hmm. It was always, you know, we were, we were pushing really hard in school. So I think that's part of it, you know, and there's something to be said for kind of occasionally when you feel like your kids are prepared, throwing them out there into the world and letting them figure things out. Like I, 
as a little kid, I did um, a lot of public speaking. And it's one of those things that like, you know, your knees are knocking together and your teeth are chattering and you just wish your mom like would, would let you leave. Yeah. <laughs> you almost want to go ask her, hey, can I just go? Like, I don't want to be in front of all these people. And then you do it and you realize like, okay, that's, that's okay. And you build some strength. So I think um, that's probably something that I'll incorporate somewhere down the line with my kids. It's just making sure that they're working through challenges. I like it, man. I like it. And you had you have any siblings or anything? Yeah, yeah. I got um, two sisters. Two sisters. Older sister Angeline is twenty six. She's the oldest. And my little sister Allison is fourteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the youngest. And then I have a little brother Martin who is sixteen. No, wait. I think I got all that wrong. I think <laughs> Allison's fifteen now, and Martin's seventeen now. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah, they're growing up. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I've got just the one younger brother, and we were totally different growing up, but now that we're both out of the house and I've kind of, like, figured out what our path is in life, we've gotten closer and closer together, I think, because we just, we, we're, I don't know, you butt heads with your siblings, and mm-hmm. then you get out in the real world, you figure out that the things that you learn growing up has positively impacted or negatively impacted depending on where you're coming from yeah your your path in life and once we recognize that and kind of figure out what that path was it's like we've we've gotten we've gotten closer to each other which is pretty cool yeah but we never had any major sibling rivalries in the house i i know growing up i was like pretty hot tempered Mm -hmm. um which (laughs) it's funny to me now because i'm not like that anymore but as a kid like i was very energetic and pretty hot tempered so I was the one that would kind of blow up or snap at somebody, but um, there was never really any any sibling lo- rivalry. I do find now that I'm out of the house, though, I feel like their respect for me has increased, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice, you know. That that was like one of the things that I wanted to do when I left for college, which was it. It just feels wrong to go and get all this freedom and then to go back home and all of a sudden you live under your parents' roof again. Like it just didn't make sense to me. Right. It's like you just left the nest. Why are you going back? So. Every summer, one of the things I would try to do is get internships, and I would just make sure I'm always working an internship or doing something. And um, that got pretty tough some summers, like especially the last summer, because uh, the the internship wasn't really paying. Mm-hmm. So it got real tough and close there, and you know I was living off pop tarts and stuff like that. But it was fun, you know. All those things are kind of fun. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that, man. Like I think it's important that everybody be just like super broke at some point in their life because then it makes you appreciate when you do have money but like you realize when you have this like survival mentality yeah you know there's a lot of stress that comes with that there's like a lot of heartache that comes with that but you have so much more perspective once you go through that and then succeed and come out the other side you know I think you learn so much from that one way I've thought about it is that being an entrepreneur is kind of like hunting Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, working like a regular job is kind of like farming, you know. And there's something a little bit more stable about it and routine. And hunting, like if you're an entrepreneur, like you got to go out and you got to make a kill or else you're just not going to eat. There's mm-hmm. no system in place. Like you just have to make that happen. And uh, it it feels like as an entrepreneur, there's never quite a safety net. Like you have to make sure that you're moving forward every day, which I like. It, it lights a fire under you for sure. I feel like a lot of people, they'll try and build a business while staying under the corporate veil of some something they're currently doing, which there's nothing against that. Sometimes you just have to, you know, take what time you have, carve that out, and start building, you know, with the time you do have. Mm-hmm. But when you cut that safety net and there's, like, 
you know, sink or swim mentality, you start seeing opportunities in place you never would have had you stayed there and had that, that you know, safety net because you just, yeah. like when you're in that sink or swim scenario and you either have to figure it out or you fail, then you start getting real creative real quick. Yeah, it fires up your creative juices for sure because it's it's like the same thing when you're lifting without a spotter and mm-hmm. let's say you have to do a certain weight. Like you're going to push that much harder because no one's going to catch that bar. And I, I think that has to be used carefully and it has to be used in a calculated manner. Um, I think some people can overdo that. Like if, if you've got like a family and you've got kids and things like that, like when you make those leaps where you could potentially fall and plummet, it has to be a smart leap where yeah. you're like, I think I got a good chance of doing this. It's dangerous, but I think I have a good chance at it. And I think it's important that it doesn't affect too many other people negatively. Um, for me in my life, like it was just me, mm-hmm. you know, so I was the only one that had to deal with it. So I was perfectly fine with that. And um, it's just like what you're saying where when you think about it, it's like, okay, I'm going to make this leap with my career, but what's really the worst that's going to happen? You'll, you'll be a little bit embarrassed. Maybe your family might judge you a little bit. Your social circle might think like what happened to you? Um, but that's not really that bad. You're not going to die, yeah. you know? So that that's the thing I always thought. If I'm not going to die from doing this, then I might as well go for it. Um, but I think probably as I build a family and things like that, like I'll I'll probably take smarter risks, you know? Yeah, that's true, man. Like I don't, I didn't have a family when it was just me building the business. Um, you know, Crystal came later, but she was kind of, you know, we were both kind of going blood and guts with it. Like we just, neither of us had anything really to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you got like, like kids, especially, you know, you have to be thinking, you know, take calculated risk and don't put them at a disadvantage by any means. But I really liked your analogy of, you know, training without a spotter. I've never heard it put that way before, but yeah. it's absolutely true. You know, you got to know where that line is and know, okay, this is a realistic expectation. I think I probably get this weight. It's going to be a push. It's going to be hard. It's going to be grinding it out, but I can still get it up yeah. versus like my, my current max is 225 and I'm going to go for 400 without a spot. You know, it's just not, not smart. Um, the closest thing to that is when you go for that last rep, Yeah, you know, where you hit like you're grinding through a rep and then you want to go for one more and you don't have a spot around you. Let's say you're benching or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a 50, 50 chance with yeah. that, you know, and it's fun. I like to toe that line a lot. And, uh, you know, sometimes I've had reps where I'm there for about 10 seconds and the, you know, my left arm is going down and I'm still benching and stuff and guys start to look and walk over to you and they're worried. Like that's, that's kind of fun. Um, and you, you see that a lot with uh, with your work. Like when, when you're pushing really hard on something, sometimes it's like, oh, I, I could go under on this one if mm-hmm. I don't push hard. So, yeah, it, it brings a lot out of you. What? So let's dive a little bit into that pivotal moment. So you were, you know, going to school, doing great there, and then you decided you were going to get into acting. Mm-hmm. Like how did, how did the, the shift occur from, you know, making that a career path and then from acting into you know, health and fitness in this industry? Like, how, how did that yeah. all come to be? When I was in college and I was doing these internships, I was so utterly dissatisfied with it. Like, we were talking about this the other day, how we have, like, a certain vision for ourselves and we know who we are inside. Mm-hmm. Like, we both believe that, well, it's more than belief. It's like you know that you're destined for greatness. It's something that you feel since you're a little kid. So when you're working jobs that don't bring you up to that level – it was just tough for me to sit with when I was working office jobs and, yeah. you know, different internships and I'd be there. 
you know, I'd be putting in long hours and I would look at everybody around me and they were just dead in the face. They hated what they were doing. I would look at the CEO, so who I could potentially be if I take this job at the entry level. And I was like, I wouldn't want to be him either. You know, I don't like any part of this. I don't want to get into the industry. I know it's going to become this security blanket and I'm, I'm not going to want to get out of it. And it's going to be a real slow process. So I got to a point where I thought to myself, man, well, I would rather work at Starbucks or drive a Lyft or something than do this. Like, I would rather do a lot of things than do this. So once I realized that, I was like, oh, wow, okay, if I'm actually willing to do that and settle for that lifestyle, then why not just go for what I want, what mm-hmm. I really, really want? And I'd, what I had wanted for a long time, like since I was a kid, I was always so drawn to acting, uh, in particular, like action adventure movies. Um, I loved action adventure. It just, it fired me up. And anytime I would watch it, I'd feel this kind of like longing or aching inside. Like I should, that should be me. Mm -hmm. Like I should be doing that right now. Um, There's one time when we had gone to LA the first time in my life when I was, I think I was like 12 or 13 and we drove past, they had the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards going on at the time. And I was a kid. I don't know why, but I felt like crap, I need to get out of the car right now. Like maybe an agent's going to notice me or something like, but I, I got to make something happen. Like I'm, I'm in LA right now and the kids choice awards are going on in that building. Um, so I, I just felt that it was like this thing inside of me. And as a kid, like even at 12, I felt like I'm going to end up living in LA at some point. I don't know why, but I will. So when I finally reached that little crossroads in my life, it was at a time where I was consuming a lot of personal development I was getting very uh, in tune with like having a morning routine, being very disciplined about training, about eating. I was like full on into a whole foods plant-based life. So I was maybe two or three years into that at that point. But I was at this crossroads and I was very, very disciplined and I was focused on what I was doing. So I figured, okay, if I take all that discipline and all the work that I'm putting towards stuff that I hate and I cut the safety net and then I put that towards something that I desperately want like badly, badly want. And I decided to do that. And I had basically like a year left of college. So I told myself like, look, within this year, you have to book an acting job that's going to support you. Like you have to, if you don't, you're thrust out into the world. You got to go figure something out. You don't want to turn into one of these guys that, that are in Hollywood for 10 years, like busting tables and doing stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I got one year to make this work. How much work can I do in one year to make this happen? And I I just broke the goal uh, down backwards from there. I was like, okay, so to book a major TV show, what do you need? Uh, You need better acting skills. You got to look as good as possible. You got to have great headshots, a great agent. You got to have a good resume. You have to have credits built up uh, in some area. So I built up credits in like theater, short films, music videos, commercials, um, in doing an indie film, stuff like that. So I broke all these little steps down and then it it got to the point where I knew what I was doing every single day. I had to be applying to all the castings. I had to be going to every single audition at the expense of going to class. Mm -hmm. I was failing all my classes. I remember the liberating and terrifying feeling of skipping a midterm. And I remember (laughs) thinking like, dude, you're actually skipping a midterm exam right now. Like you better be sure about this thing. you didn't make thing. it up, right? Like, it's just like no. zero. No, I, I didn't make it up. It was zero. And I remember I had to go in and I had to talk with uh, the professor and the TA. And they were kind of trying to talk some sense into me. 
and they were saying like, look, you know, like there's like we like you and stuff like that, but there's not much we can do right now. Like you're you're missing class, you're missing your exams and stuff. And I went in there so confident, so brazen and bold. I walked in there like with my head held high because I knew how much work I was putting into acting. So I felt very confident. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know this, like I can taste it almost. Like I can, you know, when something's on the horizon and it's about to happen. So I was like, yeah, this, th- I'm about to crack this. So I walked in there and I was just <laughs> way too relaxed. And um, it might've been a little arrogant, um, but I walked out of there and I was like, dude, you're on the right path, man. Like keep doing this. You're gonna have a lot of people telling you stuff like this, but just keep doing what you're doing. It's gonna work out. And then when we went off to summer, um, I remember thinking like, I'm never going back to UCSD. That's crazy. Like I didn't even tell anybody. I didn't say bye to everyone. It was just like, everybody thinks I'm gonna be back next year. I'm not going back. So that summer I'm doing the same thing. I'm working every day. I'm like living by myself in this little apartment. And eventually, you know, all of these things kind of snowballed over time. And I just figured if I took enough shots, I I thought of this as like a half court shot or something. I was like, if I take enough shots, I'll make one of them. And that's all I got to make. If Mm -hmm. I make one, I'm good. So I took enough shots that year. And finally, like I sunk the big one, which for me was the Power Rangers gig. And, um, the thing was like when I booked that, I didn't even have like the feeling of exhilaration that I thought I would have because every single night I would visualize that so clearly being on set, walking through, you know, New Zealand, Auckland, walking around the streets, uh, thinking back on myself in the situation that I was in, like very, very clear vision. So when I booked it, it was, it was like, okay, so this is, this is all part of the plan. Like what, what comes from here? Like, what do I do next? Um, so I just, I kept going with it and I was there. We filmed that for nine months. Um, it was a great learning experience. You know, we did a lot of work on that series. It was a lot of fun, a lot of learning. Um, and then I went back and the transition to health really began when I was having, like health was the limiting factor for me with a lot of the stuff I was doing. Cause you're still doing plant-based at that time, right? I was still doing plant-based and I was like, I didn't have energy. So I would try to push myself really hard every day, but I was constantly hungry, bloated, gassy, had no energy. And I was over time, I was starting to like lose lean muscle mass mm-hmm. and I was starting to put on more and more body fat. And I was thinking, this is so weird. Like as a kid, I was the guy that could never eat. I just never wanted to eat. And now all of a sudden I'm like starving. I, I felt like I could out eat anybody. So I was at this point where um, I realized like I got to figure my health out. And that's where I got really, really obsessed with studying nutrition. And as soon as I learned about keto, um, I started studying that a lot. Just podcasts nonstop, articles all the time, like literally on set in between scenes, I'd be reading like articles from all kinds of different folks, just studying it all the time. I spent more time studying health <laughs> probably during the latter half of Power Rangers than I did like actually with the lines. Cause I, j- I just remember thinking, dude, you're fatigued, man. Like you, you can hardly do crap during the day. Cause mm-hmm. you're just so damn tired. Like this sucks. So once I finally got off the show and I found an approach that worked for me, um, I experimented like crazy with that. And it started with keto. I really liked keto. Um, but I, what I wanted was to not think so much about it. I wanted to find something where it was like autopilot. I had an approach where I would eat this, I would train this way, and I would like just effortlessly be able to maintain this like lean athletic physique. Um, so I was experimenting a lot with that. And once I finally stumbled upon carnivore, that was a huge part of the puzzle for me. 
And then for me, upping the protein and moderating the fat was like the second part of the puzzle. So a little bit of fasting, training, um, and then doing that style of carnivore. And I was just able to maintain a really lean physique while having great energy. I was satiated with my meals. They were good meals. I enjoyed them. I could, I could eat a ton. A lot of the time I'd have to force myself to eat more just to get in enough uh, fat calories to support myself. So once I got into that, um, I was at a point where the acting stuff was slowing down and it's, it's like a steady building process. Like anything, you get a big break, but you got to work your way back up. And, uh, I didn't like anything I was being sent out for. So it was all a bunch of, you know, the guys I was working with at the time, they're, they're good at what they do, but they had a certain vision for what my career would be and how I would get there. And I had a different vision and they sent me out for a lot of things that, didn't line up with my morals and my ethics and things like that. So uh, we parted ways and then I was like, crap, well, I got to, I got to do something right now. And I had to figure out like, what am I going to do with my life now that I'm not doing that? Um, And it's tough, man. Like that's, that's even tougher to me than the grind to get Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. When, when you've got like a burning fire under you and a clear purpose and there's only one thing and you're like hell bent on it, it could it can be hard, but it's like you know what you're doing. Right. Like like you're on fire for that. But as soon as that one thing, it's like you've been led out into the middle of the ocean and you've been following the star and then the star disappears and you're like, Holy crap, look look at all these waves around me, like I am mm-hmm. screwed. So I, I was like in that state where it was like, Well, I don't have a job, you know, after all the agents and taxes and all that kind of stuff, I took away a small percentage of what I made. I was like, okay, well, I got to live off this, but I also got to, I got to make something now. Um, and meeting Chelsea was a huge, huge uh, change in my life when I met uh, my girlfriend, Chelsea, because she really helped me change my mindset around like limitations. So to me, I thought, you know what? Well, if you got to end up like homeless or starving, or if you have to go get a food service job, which I didn't want to do at all, I was like, okay, well, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do as an actor. And she's like, but why? Like, you love this health stuff. You're obsessed with it. You talk about it all the time. You're, you're, you know what you're talking about. Why don't you start putting out content around that and maybe release an ebook? And that could turn into something. You know, that might open up opportunities in some area. So I started doing that. And that just started building and building. And then I started a, a YouTube channel, started working on that. I started changing my Instagram content to be more related to nutrition and training. And it just kind of built up from there. So it's been a really slow and steady growth um, for the past year and a half, I would say. Did you have any of those platforms while you were focusing on the acting or did all those those no. social media <laughs> platforms come afterwards? Yeah, I, I would post on Instagram once a month and that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't touch YouTube. I didn't touch podcasts, uh, none of that stuff. So there was a lot of, like, I was just telling you this yesterday, but I'm so glad that I encountered some of those hurdles in acting because one of my long-term, like one of my long-term goals and dreams is I want to become like a multifaceted business person. I want to have like these different ventures that I'm working on and, and, you know, making money from. And I wanted to do that after achieving success in acting. But the thing is, after you've achieved success in acting and you're making money, you're not really touching that money. You've got you've got people handling all of that, and you're mm-hmm. very hands off. Most actors don't even want to, you know, know any any stuff about that. So it's kind of cool because right now I feel like I'm developing all of those skills that will serve me down the line as I expand what I'm doing and and what I'm building. So um, 
I, I think it all just lines up. It's just the path to get where I'm still headed. That long-term vision is different than what I thought it would be, but that's life. So yeah, um, I'm happy about all of it. I think you'll be way better off for it, man. Like yeah. being able to, we were talking about this the other day too. If you, like with anything in business, like if you're constantly relying on, you know, if you're outsourcing things, if you're delegating things, but you have somebody else doing things that you have no idea how to do yourself. Yeah. Like if for whatever reason that goes south, you, you're pretty much lost. Like you're up a creek with no paddle. Whereas if you have a super solid foundation and know enough about every single aspect of your business, your your branding, everything, then no matter what, you can know enough to correct course. So like with the business stuff, being able to know enough about every little aspect of it that you can you know, know more than just enough to get you in trouble, but know enough to actually correct course if things go awry, you can you can figure out where you need to go and know what direction you take to get there. Like for me, I didn't know that much about like marketing and branding and like accounting and stuff. But as I've dove into it, I've learned, and now I know, like, if I can go to an accountant and have him work over things, but I'm understanding what he's doing when he's doing it. Like, I, I'm not in the dark. Yeah. And with you, like, going through business now, getting all your finances and everything under control, when yeah. you go back into acting, you'll have, like, a pretty clear image of, okay, this is what this means, this is how I'm going to, you know, build more of a foundation for myself, and you'll be yeah. way better off for it. Yeah, it, it's going to be huge, you know. Um just being able to understand a contract or understand what sort of deals you're getting yourself into. So, um, all of that, like it's, it's all, it's all building up right now. Everything that I'm doing though, I can kind of see how it's going to serve me in the future Mm -hmm. and you know, how it all ties in. So I'm enjoying it all, man. Like I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with this. I like it. I like it. What's the biggest, what's the biggest unknown, like the biggest stressor in your life right now as it relates to building up this, brand and business you know outside of the acting i would say really it's uh connecting with the audience like i i want to be able to have that connection and that relationship with the audience where i i know what they want i know what sort of content they want and i can really give that to them Mm -hmm. because i've got like a lot of this content in my head and i put a lot of content out but i don't think i've really established that strong relationship with like a core audience that is following the whole journey. You know, like the core audience right now is still a lot of Power Ranger fans that like they get to know you through the show, mm-hmm. so they're fiercely loyal. But um, I'm trying to build that outside of that, you know. So I think it's just that process right now. Um, learning about obviously how to monetize things, um, how to really schedule all the different aspects of things and be prepared, be way ahead of the curve with everything. So uh, every single day that I'm learning something new, like literally every single day, I, I don't do the same thing per se every single day. So there's always something new that's, that's um that I'm learning, which is good. So well, it's yeah. been cool to have you here, man. Cause like, like last night as the steaks were cooking, for instance, we pulled out a whiteboard and I had you, you know, making a mind map of where all you know the direction you want to take things and for me like visualizing and getting it on paper getting it on a whiteboard and just kind of like seeing the bigger picture and then kind of reverse engineering from there is Mm. key so it's cool for me to like you know interact with you other people that are business minded especially in the keto space just to see kind of what direction you want to take things and then help in any way I can it's it's cool man I really like that idea of doing a mind map. Mm-hmm. Like having done that now, I really want to go home and like flesh that thing out, you know. Um, it's very helpful to see 
because you have all these disparate things that are going on in your life and that you're working on, but to see how it all ties together and how each part influences the other and what the core of all that is, it was like, okay, this all makes sense, you know? Like, There's probably a, a much better story behind this than I can portray because I haven't read the story, but, you know, Walt Disney, mm-hmm. he's obviously a pretty successful businessman. He, he um, did all right. Yeah, he did all right <laughs> for himself. But there's stories of, like, him, you know, in his very early beginning stages having, like, this massive mind map of all the different business ventures that are currently mm. in effect. And, like, he would bring people in his office, and he was like, look at this right here. This is where I want to be in 20 years. This is where I'm going to be in 50 years. This is where you can be the manager of this division, of this department. You know, and, like, you look, you fast forward now, everything that Disney is was reflected in that mind map way back when, mm. you know, it's like having that big vision, that goal is, is key, man. It's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never done that in the form of a mind map. Like I've got all those goals listed out and I know visually what they look like, but I've never actually tied everything together. Mm-hmm. So doing that last night was very eye opening, and it, it's really, really cool. Like I'm looking forward to um, like working more on that. Because sometimes it's tough because I almost feel like I'm doing separate things, you know? Yeah. Like, how does this relate to that? And so that's that's the main thing, man. Like, for me, I I want my whole life to be connected and symbiotic. Like, I I want my relationship with Crystal to benefit the business. I want my, you know, bodybuilding endeavors to benefit the business and my relationship with Crystal. I want everything to be connected, interconnected. It has to. Yeah, it has to. If it's not, then while you're working on one thing, something else is suffering. Like mm-hmm. there's no balance to it all. Whereas yeah. if everything is cohesive, any time you're working on something, it builds the whole. Yeah. And like that's why every, I mean, like you've you've been here at the compound now. You've seen my, my I've got whiteboards on every single wall. I've got mind maps everywhere, and mm-hmm. everything's linked to everything in some way or another. Yeah. I think that's I think that's one of the main reasons that I've been able to build the business that I have as fast as I have because. I'm able to just pour myself into it and everything grows. Yeah, yeah. I think it has to be that way because it's like you're one person, you know? Mm-hmm. And intuitively, I think we know that when we're working on these things that seem to be separate, they're all contributing. Like I said this on a podcast recently, but I said, for some reason, I know that the work that I'm doing in keto and carnivore right now is somehow going to benefit me as an actor in 40 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how, but it, I, I know that it will. Intuitively, I can feel that. So. Um, it's fun, man. I want to ask you a few questions about your background. Yeah, man. You know, because I, I was I was thinking about, you know, like how Keto Brick started, and then I thought, okay, well, how did Keto Savage start? Which got me into thinking, well, how did you start lifting? Um, and then that goes back to your childhood and the way you were raised, and you said that has yeah. a lot to do with your mindset and your work ethic. Mm-hmm. So, like my my parents didn't lift at all. Like they're not. Like they're we, we grew up on land like we're out in the woods lifting rocks and pieces of firewood and stuff but not like in the gym setting um but my uncle was like the bigger guy in the family he um you know he played football he was kind of more athletic he was physically bigger yeah physically bigger like taller more muscular just like more outgoing more confident and just more you know more what i wanted to emulate from like a physical and just personality standpoint yeah and you know I would pick his brain, like, hey, how, how do you build a bigger bicep? How do you build a bigger back? Like, how do you look like this? And he had some dumbbells laying around, so he would show me. And I lived way out in the country, so there was I couldn't drive to a gym. I was too young. I didn't have driver's license. It was just not convenient to drive an hour out of my way to go to a gym every day. Mm-hmm. So I started, 
you know, acquiring little pieces of equipment, I'd buy some dumbbells, like those cheap dumbbells where you screw on the plates, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, I made, like, my first bench was a green ice chest with a beach towel over top of it. Yeah. That was my first bench. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I built all this in, like, a little corner of my dad's shop. I'd get, like, pieces of tractor equipment to use as weights. And I would just do that, man. I had, like... I had, like, all these, uh, you know, bodybuilders from the 90s printed out, and I taped them to the wall, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd, like, you know, just trying to emulate that. I'd watch YouTube videos of them lifting. I tried to emulate that, and I'd, you know, crank up the radio and be in the in the warehouse or in the shop just, you know, going to town and seeing, you know, seeing what would work and what wouldn't work. Um, so I did that for, like, the first year, year and a half of my lifting career, mm-hmm. and then started, you know, going to a gym, started doing that, and that's pretty much what I did throughout my last couple years of high school, obviously there was a gym at college when I went to the University of Arkansas, so trained there, did my first competition as a sophomore in college, and just kind of built everything from that, uh, you know, found keto, and there's a whole bunch of backstory there, like I can dive into eating disorders and kind of all of the nutritional aspect of what I was doing, what I'm doing now, but lifting became like my my core, like I, if everything else in my life was just upside down, like if, if school was crazy, if anything was just totally chaotic, I could feel confident that I was making some progress in some form or fashion if I was consistently training and if I was consistently moving closer to my goals from a, a physical standpoint. Mm-hmm. So that's what I just relied heavily on, man. Like I would I would be the weird guy prepping for the week's meals, putting them in Tupperwares when everybody else was going to the next, you know, party and getting drunk and wasted and everything. Like I was very different than all my peers. But it, it grounded me, man. It gave me something to work for. And it kept me it kept me consistent. I was able to take everything that I learned from my parents, you know, and the work ethic they instilled upon me, and I applied that to the gym. And mm. I would just, like, consistently hammer away at, you know, training every single day. And, you know, started to develop the physique, got into the co- competitions, fell in love with that, and then, you know, built a, you know, have since built a business around that. But it didn't start out that way. I mean, I was, you know, kind of similar to what you were saying. I was in a job that I didn't like. I was unfulfilled. After I graduated from college, I got a, a job as a manager, train master uh, with the railroad, with Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad, BNSF. And I was stationed in Washington State and just totally unfulfilled, man. I would I would look at people there and they were just miserable. There was a, you know, a union workforce and the management. So there's always like this constant clashing between, you know, people. Nobody could like find common ground. Everybody's miserable. The upper management, like the CEO, they just... Well, it's just not good, man. Like, you look at what the best possible outcome is if you stay with the company. It's like, yeah. it's still not good. Yeah, know? yeah. So I'm like, well, shoot, I'm going to figure out something else to do. So I started getting into real estate. You know, I'm like, I'm going to invest in rental properties and, and become like a real estate mogul. So I started trying to do that. You know, I got my real estate license um, while I was still with the railroad. And I was trying to take my savings from the railroad and start buying multifamily homes like fourplexes and whatnot. Um, and then as soon as I found one, and I put an offer in it with my, uh, you know, business partner that was also with the railroad. Like he and I both wanted to get out of the railroad. As soon as I put an offer in that place, they uh, they gave me a promotion. The railroad did, and but it was like a, a mandatory relocation promotion. Like they they said you have to basically move to Gillette, Wyoming. But here I am, had just put the offer in this place in Washington. Just got my Washington's real estate license. It's like okay, this is not the direction I want to take things. So, mm-hmm. you know, adios. I'm, I'm out of here. Um, and then I felt confident that I was going to be on the right path in life, but there was a huge financial burden there because here I am in Washington State. You know, I'd bought a house when I moved there, and 
had a mortgage and had put all my money towards this real estate mm-hmm. and I didn't have any much of a savings. And before you know it, I'm broke. I'm super broke, like $30,000 in credit card debt broke, $150,000 in mortgage broke, and then $30,000 in student loan. Like I was 250K in the hole when it was all said and done. And I was freaking out, man. Like I didn't know what direction I was going to take things. And I felt lost. Like I, you know, none of my family was up there. I just felt alone. Mm-hmm. I got depressed. You know, I had the eating disorders going on. It was just a very dark time That's in my tough. life. I was like suicidal to an extent. It was just not a good place, man. And was, was there one thing that happened at that lowest point that like flipped things around? Because sometimes there's like a person or a book or a, or an idea or something that just turns everything around. Did you have that? I don't know, man. There's it's just a bunch of compounding variables because at some point in there, the like the house that I bought in Washington when I first moved there was two blocks down from Crystal's coffee stand that she was working at. So that's mm-hmm. where I met Crystal. Um, and she was the first girl that I'd ever had a relationship with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I never allowed myself to talk to women in, through high school and college for a lot of different reasons. One, because I'd never felt like I was... I wanted to establish myself as an entrepreneur and be a successful businessman before I was going to allow myself the the freedom to talk to somebody and build a relationship. Like I wanted that to be secondary and establish myself in a foundation first. And, you know, I, I started getting into a relationship with her and she was very supportive of me, but it was hard because here I was like falling for somebody, but I didn't have anything like I didn't have any of the foundation that I was striving for and I was super <laughs> in debt and I'm like I can't possibly dive deeper into this relationship and then drag her down with me so that's tough yeah man like it was like I remember sitting on my office floor one day like looking up at the ceiling and I was just like like I don't care if I die right now like I, I could literally just drive off the next overpass and it would be fine like, I feel mm-hmm. like a burden to other people in my life. I feel like a failure to my family. I feel like I'm, you know, messing with Crystal's heart. She's falling for me, and here I am not able to accept her love and not wa- not even wanting to because it's like I don't – I wanted to be miserable. You know, I felt like I didn't deserve happiness. And did, did you feel like it was your fault that you were in that situation? Like, were you mad at yourself? Yeah, I didn't blame anybody else. Like, it was definitely all internal. Like, I had these high expectations for myself – and I felt like a failure because I wasn't successful in business. And I just feel like everything that I, you know, set out to do was going downhill. And when you're $250,000 in debt, man, 30000 in credit card debt, and you're not really making much of an income. Like, I was working, you know, stupid audience jobs. I was working, like, the front desk at a gym. Like, I was doing little things to make ends meet. But it wasn't even making ends meet. Like, I was just getting deeper and deeper in the hole. And... I'm looking at my life, I'm looking at the friends in my life, and I feel like I was just failing everybody, you know? And it's, it's, it's weird because when you're depressed, you, you see no self-worth. And mm-hmm. people can tell you all day long that there's, there's a reason to be alive, but you just don't see it. You're blind to it. And I was blind to it at that point. And as far as, like, you know, a, a, a shifting moment or a pivotal moment that, that brought me back, I don't really know. I can't really put my finger on any specific moment. I think it was just like I knew that if I was to if I was to commit suicide then that would be the ultimate failure. Like it's like okay, I don't feel like I'm worth being here. But if I was to leave here, then I have truly failed everybody that I know 
does care about me. Like I, I would have failed my my parents for raising me the way they have. I would have just failed everything, mm-hmm. and I couldn't live with that, and I couldn't die with that. So it's like, okay, what's the alternative? The only alternative is to just get my shit together and hustle like I've never hustled before, throw out all the excuses and just make something work. Like no matter what happens, I'm gonna make something work. And I walked out in the woods one day, watched the sunset go down, and I was like, okay, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? What can I do to add more value? And I was good with fitness. I was good with training. I was good with nutrition. Because at this point, I had found keto, and it had totally helped me with my eating disorders, and I I was seeing that this was a a better alternative to the current lifestyle that I was living. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. Keto is something that, that I'm excited about. It's, it's something that's new and something that I can get behind. And if I can mesh all this together and figure out a way to make it, you know, a viable solution to other people's problems, there's there's value for me being here on this earth. And then at that point, I stumbled upon Gary Vaynerchuk. And I was listening to his, like, Crush It book on audio mm-hmm. and listening to his podcast. And he's just like, content, content, content. you got to put out content. So I started a YouTube channel, started Instagram, started a podcast, and didn't know what the hell I was doing. I mean, my first YouTube videos were shot with my phone. You know, my podcasts were recorded in a closet. I mean, everything mm-hmm. was just totally primitive. But I just started pumping that out, and I started to gain some traction with it, man. It took, it took me months to gain traction with it, but it started to happen. I, people would comment and say stuff like, oh, I, I get this. Like, this makes sense to me. It's, it's improved my life as well. Thanks for putting this out there. And then as soon as I started seeing that, as soon as I realized that, this was a viable outlet for me to start putting forth effort and energy into and it actually had a positive impact on people's lives. The rest was history, man. Like that was my drug and I just like dove into it with everything mm. I had. Man. That's uh you've had a huge amount of progress in just a couple of years. It's interesting, man. It seems like you always you always see these like rags to riches success stories, you know? And it's like, oh, it looks like it just happened overnight. Yeah. And I can see that. I mean, we have grown really fast. Like, I look at where we've gone. Like, look at the Keto Brook business, you know, from where it's it's started and where it's at now. It's like it's grown pretty quickly. Like, I don't think anybody would agree with that. But for me, like, I know it's grown quickly, and I am very grateful for that. But I, I remember all those heartaches. I remember all those. I mean, I would I would spend three hours watching a YouTube video to learn how to edit a YouTube video. And then I would spend another three hours editing a YouTube video that maybe three people would see. Like it was just, mm-hmm. you know, hours and hours and months and months of pumping myself out there and not even knowing if this was working. All the while getting deeper and deeper in debt and having to try and like find a way to convince Crystal that there's this was going to work. You know, like that, that's a hard thing to do, man. Was Have she some, on board with everything? She was totally on board. But it was like a it was hard on a relationship because here we are trying to make this work and I'm not allowing myself to spend any time with her. I'm not allowing myself to spend any money on going on dates because I didn't have any money. And she's super like simple in the sense that she doesn't need anything fancy. She's super supportive and understanding of where I was at in life. But I wanted especially with me and my background, I wanted to have all that established before I ever started seeing, you know, somebody else, before I ever got into a relationship. So for me, it was very humbling to not be able to offer her anything and then try and build this all the yeah. way, you know? That's that's interesting because it's like you see yourself in a certain way and then when your life doesn't match up at all with the way that you see yourself, that's tough, man. Yeah. 
That's really, really tough, and that creates a lot of, like, friction. Yeah. I mean, that's why I thought it was a failure for so long, because I, I knew what I felt I should be doing, and I was so far removed from that. Like, my reality and what my expectation of reality was, I mean, there was, like, there was a disconnect. It was night and day. Yeah. And until I started to, like, make some momentum and make that line up more, I just felt like a failure. But now... You know, I'm starting to, to know that what I'm doing is, is right, and I can get behind that. I could, you know, rock the momentum that I'm building and just keep doing it and getting bigger and better and adding more value. Was your mindset different before? Like when, when you felt like a failure, did you have a different mindset at all than you do now? Um, now I just have a lot more gratitude now because anytime, like anytime we sell a keto brick, anytime somebody like sends me an email – you know, I'm just like overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude because for for someone to take time out of their day to to give me time to watch a video, to listen to a podcast, for someone to take money out of their pocket and buy a keto brick, like that just touches me in a way that I don't even think I could describe in words, man, because there was a time in my life where I felt like I had no purpose and nobody cared and I was worth nothing and nothing I did mattered to be at a point now where like I can put out a YouTube video or I can record a podcast and people actually care enough to listen or care enough to watch or care enough to buy. Like to me, that is like, like I owe my life to everybody in this space that supported mm-hmm. me. And I just have a overwhelming sense of gratitude now that I never had before. You, you said you felt like nothing you did mattered. You felt like, um, like basically you weren't worth anything at the time. Why was that, though? Because, like, deep down inside, like, you know who you are and you know where you're headed over mm-hmm. time. But it was it was just because you weren't matching up to where you wanted to be? Yeah, like, I've always felt like I was destined for something great. And uh-huh. we were talking about that the other day. Yeah. But I, I never lost that. But at the same time, I had to, like, take a step back and be a realist and look at where I actually was in life. And to to think that you're destined for great things and capable of great things and needing to accomplish great things, but then to take a step back and look at the fact that, okay, I'm 2,000 miles from everybody that I care about. I have $250,000 that I'm in the hole. I don't have a, a, a career path right now. The one girl that I've ever cared about, I don't know how to have a relationship with. Like everything that I wanted, I was mm. just so far away from, and I couldn't connect the dots. I mean, it was just so much of a disconnect that it was like I couldn't, I couldn't see the bigger picture. It's just like with lifting, though, where you said, like, if you, if you can just cling on to something, if you can hold on to something long enough, mm-hmm. things start to slowly make sense one yeah. at a time. And I think with the content, that's what happened yeah. for you. Yeah, and all the while, I never really gave up on lifting. So that was one positive in my life. Like, when everything else was going downhill, that was the one positive in my life. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that I kept – if I hadn't kept up with that, then there would be nothing that would have given me reason to be here today, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. That lifting's a huge thing. Yeah. It really is like an anchor to your life. It's an anchor. I mean, it's like if everything else is going downhill, you can lift and you can train and you can push yourself. And, you know, from a biological standpoint, you're getting all those positive endorphins that's having a you know a good positive impact. But from like just a psychological standpoint, like you know – you know inherently that this is good, this is healthy, this is right, this is pure. And to just have that one thing that you know in your life is good and know that you're 
making progress towards it. That's like mm-hmm. just enough of a momentum to keep you going the right track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's something to hold on to. Absolutely, man. Now, one of the things we talked about on the old podcast was the fact that like we we both had some pretty tough self-confidence issues. Mm-hmm. Like for me it was mostly in high school. Um and that had a lot to do with like skin issues. And that affects you mentally in a big way that like it's deep. It's very, very deep mentally, the yeah. way that affects you, that, like, people wouldn't see it, but you can feel it inside. For me, that, that like, affected the way that I interacted with people for a long time. And it, it took me, like, four or five years to actually realize that that was done, mm-hmm. you know, and that I, I wasn't that person anymore. Um, what did you deal with with that, and how did you overcome that? With regard to, like, the acne? Because yeah. we both had it. We, we yeah. talked that we both had suffered really bad from acne from acne and it's funny because I feel like the way you and I interact in a crowd of people is pretty similar mm-hmm. and I, I pointed that out yesterday as we were driving but we have more of a like we're, we're, we're we listen more than we talk like we sit back we listen more than we talk and we don't speak unless we have something that's super intelligent to say you know like we're that's just more observant I think that's a good thing like I think you know it's it's better to be that than the other end of the spectrum but I feel like that's probably because just the personality type that we had developed because we didn't have the confidence from the way we looked, you know, with the bad acne. I mean, when you you've got crazy acne, I mean, people you don't, think it's just a teenage thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like you don't want to you yeah. don't want to look people in the eye. You don't want to face people. You constantly like like I would constantly like cover my face with my hands. Like I wouldn't let people look at me. And yeah. I mean, I I definitely didn't talk to any females. You know, it's like yeah. it's just not not where I'm at right now yeah. in life. But when you do that, it's weird, man. And like I would literally go to bed at night, and my only prayer would be to wake up without acne. Like if yeah. I could just wake <laughs> yeah, up and yeah, look yeah, in the yeah, mirror, yeah, yeah. like it would be a game changer yeah. for me. And now that I, I don't have that bad of acne, it's like, I mean, even now, like if I have like a super bad day, I could sit back and be like, well, shoot, at least I don't have crazy acne. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sometimes too. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was like. I used to have that same thing where I would just imagine like what life would be like without that. And I'd see people leave their apartment like just, you know, they woke up from a nap or whatever. Mm-hmm. And instead of having to wash their face and do the benzoyl peroxide and all the different scrubs and all that stuff and then try to cover it all. I'm like, man, this guy can roll out of bed and just go to the store and buy something. I was like, yeah. holy crap, that's freedom. I yeah. would always think that. And then the other thing I would think is like, if I ever get rid of this thing, like I can take on anything, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, I, and I had this like dream of one day just walking down like uh, this main street in San Francisco with clear face, just a clear face with my head held high. Um, so it's funny, like every now and then when, when things aren't going my way, I'll think about that. I'll be like, well, you got that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, man. Cause like, you know, acne is one thing, but there's so many different physical attributes that people can be blessed or cursed with however you want to look at it. And, mm-hmm. you know, acne is just one of those, man. So it makes, like, having really bad acne made me have a lot more perspective. Like, I look at anybody now that has any kind of, you know, quote-unquote defect or whatever, and it's like they're a lot deeper than that. You know, they're, there's yeah. a lot more to that person than, than what meets the eye, and you can't simply judge somebody based off of, you know, first glance. Gives you a lot of humility, too. Yeah, I feel for like. sure. Definitely. But I think, not, honestly, man, know what I know now, I feel like if I had been keto throughout my my youth, 
you know, when your hormone, I think the reason I had such bad acne, was, I don't think it's really genetic. Cause like my brother never really had. Yeah. Had same, same. Um, I think it mostly relates to, you know, hormones and, uh, you know, your nutrition, your diet. And it's, it's kind of counter to, to what you would think. Cause you know, I, I, I intentionally stayed away from fats and stuff back then because I'm like, okay, if I eat a bunch of fat, it's going to be like oily on my skin and I'll have worse acne. If I had just upped the fat the whole time and eaten good quality, wholesome ketogenic foods when I was, you know, in high school, I probably wouldn't have had near the acne I had. Yeah. I often think about that because I went on Accutane for like nine months. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that thing's rough on your body, on yeah. your bones. Yeah. That's... Oof. You get up in the morning, you feel 90. You ever have that thing where you would go to sleep at night and you have to slowly lower your back because your back would hurt so bad? I didn't have any of those. Like They had like a, a freaking list a mile long of all the bad things that could happen from Accutane. Yeah. I didn't really have any of the stuff that they said, but I had like crazy dry skin, especially like mine was like a three-month cycle. Um, and then I had to repeat that. But like the first month, nothing really changed. The second month, you just look like you're shedding your skin mm-hmm. maybe like a just snake that's shitting yeah. nonstop. I, I remember one time you know you're super self-conscious in high school especially if you got bad acne you don't want anybody to see your face and I was in the second month of taking this Accutane I was in the lunch line and I'm trying to like you know look the other way from everybody and then it's like the Robert his name was Robert as well but he's kind of like the class clown oh god <laughs> he turns around <laughs> and looks at me and he's like damn boy you got leprosy <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like Everybody starts laughing and pointing, and I, man, it was it was rough, man. High school yeah. is brutal. High school is brutal. That's tough when that happens because you kind of try to laugh along with it, but you're mm-hmm. hurting so much inside. You're like, oh, yeah, God damn yeah. it, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna yeah. have to figure this thing out. Not good. I, I remember getting out from under the squat bar, and I would have to slowly go. <laughs> yeah. Because my my there's no lubrication with your joints. Yeah. So my spine would be like pressed All up, compacted, and everything. You know what I think actually was a huge contributor to my acne? Lifting, strangely enough. Really? Yeah. So not lifting in and of itself, but it was nutrition. And at the time, I was so focused on eating as much as possible. Mm. So I would read about these guys and how much they're eating and the fact that like they're not always eating clean food sources. You got to eat as much as you can. You got to eat big. So I, I would do like that whole stupid seafood diet where it's like you see it, eat it. Mm-hmm. So I would try to eat as much as I can. And I remember like I would drink a gallon of milk and all this kind of stuff. And um, the more of that I did, the worse my skin got. And then I just got to a point where it just stayed bad all the time, no matter what I was eating. And I think about that a lot now, too. Like, if I knew what I knew now, I think I could have completely cleared my skin in less than a month with food, fasting, exercise, sweating, all that kind of stuff. Um, But, yeah, you know, you don't know. (laughs) It's crazy, man, because, like, when I I was – when I had really bad acne, there's, like, no pictures of that because I wouldn't let myself, you know, take any pictures or anybody take any pictures. But you fixate on that so much. It's your whole life, yeah. Yeah, it's your whole life. That's literally like you are blind to everything but that. Mm -hmm. And like I know what I know now about nutrition. And I, same as you just said, if I had known that then, I don't think it would have been near the issue it it was. I wish like I could just line up all the kids, teenagers that have crazy bad acne. Yeah. And I'd be like, look, I'll make a special podcast designated just for you. Just listen to it. Yeah. You know, like I was doing all kinds of stupid remedies. Yeah, same, same, and same. And I spent all kinds of money. Yeah. Like over the counter and then like, uh, you know, pharmaceutical stuff, yeah. like prescription stuff. It's like I could have just negated all of that yeah. if I had known what I know now. So like, you, get, you ever go on acne.org? 
I would the say forum. all the sites. Like, there's yeah. some stupid stuff, man. Dude, there was one about, like, how you'd, like, piss in a cup or whatever yep. and use yep. it as a face. And I remember thinking I was this close to doing it. I was like, if that's going to do it, man, I'll piss in a cup and yeah. wash I mean, my face like, with you, it. You would literally do anything. <laughs> You'll do anything. Yeah. I, so I used to ask myself this question. I was like, if somebody said right now, like, you have to cut, like, a couple fingers off, but you're going to have clear skin, would you do it? I would think about it and I'd be like, yeah, you know, yeah. I would much rather have a face that's clear and a, a few less fingers, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, damn, man, <laughs> that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, man, it, it really does become your whole world. So like yeah. any, any parents listening to this podcast, if your kids got crazy bad acne, you know, tell them about keto, tell them about keto. <laughs> Can we just give them like five quick tips? Like I, I'll just give them my, my five quick tips right now Shoot, man, about what what I wish I had known back when I had really, really bad acne. The first one, I wish that I had known to cut out basically all carbs. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's fruit or whether it's a starchy, whatever, just cut all the carbs out. Yep. So now you've now limited that down to animal protein and fat and maybe some non-starchy vegetables. So you cut your diet down to that very, very simply. So tip number two for me would just be fasting. Mm-hmm. I think fasting and, and the autophagy and clearing out a lot of the crap that's in your body, I would definitely have incorporated fasting back then because I was eating you know, cereal with a bunch of milk and sugar and all that kind of stuff in the morning, constantly eating. So I would, I'd be fasting and then I would be consuming only non-starchy vegetables and meat, protein, stuff like that. No carbs. Um, third one I would recommend is throwing in some of the superfoods in there. So throwing in like the egg yolks. I would make sure I'd have egg yolks in my diet. I'd make sure I'd have some beef liver in there. Mm-hmm. I'd probably have some like oysters in there, some salmon, just good sources of omega-3s, of vitamin A from the beef liver, because Accutane is extremely high dose vitamin A. Um, and so is liver, N- not nearly as high, but it's like, you know, you get some liver, it's like 391% vitamin A or something like that. So that really helps pull back on the sebum production in the skin so that there's less for that bacteria to feed off of. So mm-hmm. you don't get that like constantly greasy look. Um, so I would be doing that definitely. And then I would actually probably be doing things to de-stress myself. So my mom would always tell me like, oh, you just have that because you're so stressed. And I'd be like, well, this is what's stressing me though. Yeah, <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. make any sense. So I would actually go for like a long run or something like that and just clear my head. I think that would have helped me a lot back then. Um, that would be tip number four, just going on some long runs, meditating, calming down, de-stressing. And then number five for me would just be to care more about sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't really care much about sleep in high school, but that's really when your body's repairing itself. So I think honestly, if you incorporated some fasting, you know, even if you've got a teenager, they don't have to eat every single meal all day long. Like they, they can wait until they're super hungry and then they'll eat a really, really healthy meal. Especially if they're keto, it'd be easy for them. Yeah, yeah. You'll get in a really good amount of fat. You'll still get in all your calories for the day, which is the main thing. But your body's going to have a lot of time to clear out um, some of what's going on inside. So that, you cut the carbs, you eat, you know, high quality protein and veggies, you go for some runs and sweat and get your blood flowing, get your body actually working, detoxing. You get some good sleep. Um, I think that would have been huge. Nice, nice. My one tip, so you get a peanut cup. <laughs> yeah, <I'm joking. laughs> just pour it all over your face. <laughs> no, my one tip, man, I mean, 
hydration, I obviously drink plenty of water. Uh, that'd be that'd be one to kind of add to that list. But honestly, I feel like if you cut all the carbs and you were just like like get that That's down. That's the biggest one. I feel like that would probably be like a 90-10 reward. You know, yeah. you do that yeah. and you're pretty much set. You know, like that would be because I was eating all kinds of crap carbs then, you know. Oh, and cut the dairy too. Yeah. Like a, a lot of people get triggered by some random things. So if you could just narrow it down and especially dairy, there's a lot of weird stuff going on there. Um, for me to this day, if I consume, you know, too much Greek yogurt or cheese or things like that, I'll still get it. Yeah. I found out recently that whey protein doesn't seem to spike it. So I'm assuming mm. that it's probably casein. Um, but yeah, cutting the dairy is probably a good idea too. And that may sound restrictive for like a teenager, but I mean, when you're like bad, bad skin acne, I would have done it. <laughs> shoot, man, I would have eaten the same thing every single day. You know, no questions asked. Somebody put steak, eggs and veggies in front of me. And they're like, this is what you got to eat to clear your acne. I'd be like, hell, are you I kidding me? I would eat rocks if it was going to clear my acne. So can't yeah. complain with steak and eggs. <laughs> yeah, the fact that we took Accutane, that tells you it right there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, man, what what um, I'm trying to think strategically here. We've got, we're about an hour into this podcast currently. And I want part two to really dive into like the, mm-hmm. the controversial things about like nutrition, training, things yeah, you yeah. hear, things that we've done that works really well for us. Um but I think it's important for the listeners to know where we're coming from in order to really appreciate where we're at with those things. Mm-hmm. Is there any other like relevant piece of information that we could talk about now that kind of helps build the foundation for our outlook on business, training, nutrition, life in the next part? Um, I think relevant to that, not necessarily. But one question that I would like to ask you that I think would be cool for all the listeners, cool for me too, is like, your long-term mission, because you, I, I've seen the vision boards. I, I know like where you see yourself headed with life, and you have the idea of greatness that you're working towards. Um, are there any pinnacles there? Do you have any crazy dreams that if you told somebody, they'd be like, "Damn, you're you're a wild man," you know? Like, is there anything you're trying to achieve that's like way out there? It's funny, man. Like, I look at people that are just totally killing it in a certain industry or aspect of life. Like you look at, like when I think of people that are just totally on a whole other level, I look at, you know, The Rock. I look at mm-hmm. Elon Musk. I look at people that are just like whole nother level of business, you know, uh, branding, just success, quote unquote success. And yeah. I aspire to, to surpass that in my own way with my own style. But at the same time, I want to have like this balance. Like I, I really appreciate my dad because he's, He's super grounded in the fact that he doesn't have a social media account. He doesn't even have a cell phone. Like, he doesn't need to impress anybody. And I don't do it because I need to impress anybody. But, like, he feels fulfilled in life. And he's doing great things in life. But he doesn't care about any of the superficial stuff. So, like, I feel like a lot of people that are, quote, unquote, super successful in life and just absolutely killing it on a whole other level, they're often, you know, focusing on some of the superficial stuff. Like they, they get a high from... You know, like how many people like a photo on Instagram? They they like have a high with that. So I'm trying to figure out how to balance being the very best that I can be, but then not letting any of that stuff that doesn't really matter impact my judgment, my decisions, or any of that stuff. And that's yeah. that's a challenge, man, especially with social media and like the internet now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't really give you a, a tangible goal or pinnacle, but I know in my own soul. If I've got more left in the tank, I know in my own soul if I've reached the goal. 
and there is no reaching the goal. Like, there yeah, is no finish line. Comes, like, yeah. Finish line is death. Yeah. And I don't want to ever stop growing. I don't ever want to stop trying. I don't ever want to stop building. So until I die, I'm going to have never felt that I've reached the pinnacle. I'm just going to constantly be driving for that. But I never want to stop driving, man. Like, I just always want to be putting out more content, building the business, adding more value, finding a way to take anything that I've learned in life from my hardships, my successes, and then helping other people, you know, maybe like show them how to, you know, not have to go through some of the heartache or find a more efficient way of going about things. I feel like when I have kids eventually, like that'll be a huge thing. Like how can I, as a father, impart some of the wisdom that I've learned through my, my, my life onto my children so that they can be better than I was, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm just excited, man. I'm excited about it for everything that's to come. Yeah. I feel like I've taken a path that is is less traditional than a lot of people, and I'm glad that I have. But it's given me the opportunity to really figure out what works, what doesn't work, what resonates well with me. And I feel like there's other people out there that would appreciate that message because they don't want to follow the status quo either. So I'm yeah. excited to just keep pushing the envelope and sharing what I've learned, man. I'm excited that we're even just here right now. Like, yeah. like this this sort of a moment's the kind of thing that when you're working in that job that you hate, you're like, God, wouldn't that be cool if I yeah. could just like make an awesome podcast and put it out and people listen to it and yeah. got an audience and like, if if you would tell that person like, hey, you're also gonna have a very successful business, you know, you're gonna have a great team around you, you'll be building like every single day you get up and it's your own thing you're working on, you're building it, people love it, it's great, you can put out more and more content. It's like, holy crap, that's the lotto right there. Like, you know, like you yeah. never quite achieve it, but it's like that right there is the achievement. Like one of the things I used to think to myself was all I really want in life is to be able to um, get up every day and work on what I want to work on that day and to be able to buy a cup of coffee and not worry about it. I was like, if I can do those two things and follow my own purpose and passion, I'll be happy. I mean, look at it like this, man. If you're in a job you hate, or even not necessarily hate, but just like don't feel alive from then you can't possibly put forth your best work. You're always going to suck at it. You're always going to be subpar because you you look instead at what you can get away with, like what does this actually need, like what's the minimum Minimum, viable effort. Whereas when you own your own thing, when you're a part of something that you believe is bigger than just you, when you know you're making a positive impact and it's centered around your passions in life, your beliefs, your values, then... You want to give it your all every single day. Mm-hmm. And if you do that every single day of your existence, that has a compounding exponential effect and it becomes something just amazing. And it's inevitable. That journey, that process, that is the pinnacle in itself. Yeah. Like that is, there's no pinnacle to that, but just doing that day in, day out and being excited to do it day in and day out. Yeah. That's what I'm excited about, man. Yeah, I love that. I love that. One of the pinnacles that like that I'm working towards that I want to see achieved in my life, like one of those kind of things that has to happen is um I want to make a movie that's like a transcendent movie where I watch some movies where you you get like the strongest goosebumps as you're watching it mm-hmm. and there's there's like a moment that, that'll happen in certain movies where I'll watch it and I, I know the moment's coming, but it still hits me every time. And it's like a combination of the cinematography, the story, the characters, the way they're acting, the music that plays. Music's a huge part of it. 
and just the lighting of it and, and the whole feel. And it all comes together to make you feel like, holy crap, that's like almost divine what you're watching. Um, I want to make a movie that has that moment in it. And if I can experience that moment in it, I'm, I'm happy with that. And I would like it to be like in the same vein as like a, an Avatar or a Star Wars or a Lord of the Rings or a major like fantasy adventure franchise. So that's that's like one of the ultimate goals for me. I yeah. love it, man. Well, if you need any extras, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be in there, man. I could see you riding a horse with a sword. Very cool. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Awesome, well, man. Sweet, man. We got, we got part two coming. Is there anything else that we need to touch on here? Or you want to just close the curtains on this one? and? I Yeah, I think I think that's us, guys. That's, that's us, barren plain. Yeah, it's us in a nutshell. Cool. So we'll see. So I guess let's... Um, if anybody just listens to this one and doesn't listen to the second one, where can they go to find you? <laughs> yeah, so the Will to Win podcast, anywhere podcasts are distributed. Um, and then on Instagram, that is at William Schufelt, William, S-H-E-W-F-E-L-T. YouTube, uh, which I'm really excited about right now, starting to push harder on that, uh, youtube.com slash Will Schufelt. And uh, the Primal Body courses where I have all my carnivore programs, my one-on-one coaching, stuff like that, that's primalbody.co. Very cool. Very cool. And for me, it's Keto Savage Everything and Keto Brick Everything on all platforms. So, Awesome, man. Awesome. Part two. Part two. Here we come.